0: Good morning. And you guys are supposed to respond. Good morning. morning. There we go. All right. Well, my name's Bruce. For those of you who do not know who I am, I like to hang out with students, so that's kind of what I do here at Open Life. And when, you know, weeks ago, this uh, particular passage that we're going to go through this morning, I've been praying and just studying. I, I love to study church history. So I kind of went back, and I I love, when you work with students, you, and and I've kind of taken on the same traits, you have an attention span of about a minute, (laughs) and then you try to bring them back in. We joke, it's like herding cats. So this morning, that's how my attention span is, and I really, as I know it could be difficult, but I would like to try to have you guys, to some degree, interact with me as we go through this passage, because I think there's some amazing things uh, that we're going to share in it. So, uh, we've been kind of going through, we, we have been, we haven't kind of, we've been going through the book of Luke, and here we are, we're at a place right now, and it's called, in Matthew, it's called Sermon on the Mount, so it's very similar to what's, uh, what Luke is, is addressing here. Uh, and what, what kind of happened in Matthew, you see it where Jesus, there's a crowd that starts to build, and Jesus takes his disciples, and it says, and when the crowd was there, Jesus took his disciples and went on a mountainside, and he sat down with them, and he began to teach them. So as he's teaching this intimate teaching with the disciples, crowds continued to gather around. Now, the, the history behind that, the group of people that were coming, is the Jewish people knew the Old Testament, and they knew it well. So, they knew that a Messiah was coming, someone who they believed was going to be this conquering hero. So, as you see the picture kind of being set up by Luke, people are coming from villages. And and back then, there weren't massive cities like we have, and, and Thad mentioned it last week. They're from a lot of little villages all over the place. Even Jesus, where He was born, Nazareth, or where he lived, sorry, where he grew up in Nazareth. was a small village, maybe 100, 200 people, but people would travel for miles and miles to come and hear Jesus because they heard the Messiah is here, the conquering hero, the guy who's going to take down the Romans, the guy who's going to just take them on like David and just, you know, bust them up kind of thing. So they're excited because they're tired of being oppressed by the Romans. They're tired of having to be governed by them. They're tired of it. So all of a sudden, here comes this guy, Jesus, and he starts to sit down, and he begins to teach, and that's where I want to start in Luke chapter 6, and I'm old school. I know Thad and Jaden like to come up here with their, their computers and stuff, but I like my Bible. So Luke chapter 6, we're starting in verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, Do do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn in the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop them from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those with whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. A cool passage. (laughs) I just get, again, go back and just picture it. If you guys are ready you're coming, like, to the Seahawks game, and you're just ready to watch the Seahawks just annihilate the 49ers, okay? And, and, and you're there, and all of a sudden, they just decide, you know what? We're just not going to do this today. Let's just not do it. And you're all just like, yeah, I even painted my face. And so, you kind of get that. I mean, they're ready to get after, and Jesus is, they're thinking strategy. Okay, we're going to march around, the city of Rome, and we're going to take it down. All of a sudden, Jesus does love your enemies. So, let's break this down. Here we go. So, now you got to get your minds thinking. But I tell you, we're going to start with verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, so help me. What do you think Jesus was saying there? Deep thoughts now. Jesus is saying, "Who, who hears me? I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, what? Uh, we can all hear you. If you look through Scripture, Jesus says that a lot of times. If you have ears, let him hear. Like, why was he saying that? So just think, okay, what was his point? I believe that God is the one who draws people to himself, and it's scriptural. I mean, Jesus says people are drawn because he draws them to himself. So people came wanting to hear something, but all of a sudden they're hearing something else. So are you ready to hear today, this morning, to what Jesus wants to say? So love your enemies. I want to hear, who are your enemies? I I literally want to hear you say it. Tell me, is it Bobby across the street, your neighbor? 49ers, 49ers, okay. (laughs) What was it back there? Oh, Niners fans. (laughs) No, keep going. IRS. IRS. Government, Oregon Ducks, <laughs> work can be an enemy. Okay, what's that? Money, chores. <laughs> yes, in two thousand four, I I used to get really into politics, and and I still like to you know look at the things that are going on politically. But I got so mad at our, at our gubernatorial election that I actually drove down to Olympia and I picketed <laughs> at the front steps. And there were thousands of people there. It was hilarious. And I just kind of had to sit back and watch. And I just thought, you are my enemy That's what I was thinking in my head going, wait a minute. And I w- it wasn't so that I was upset who was voted in. It was that I was upset that I felt like the process had been, had been just literally thrown to the ground, and just the whole election is important. I believe in law, and I believe in those things. I'm am kind of an idealist, so I was upset. But a year later, I started going, "What really matters?" I just thought, "I don't I don't know if they're really my enemies." If you're a Republican, is the Democrat person your enemy? Are they going to hell? Or if you're a Democrat, do you believe that all Republicans are? I mean, you kind of get into that. Thought. I don't know. I started thinking, who else are my enemies? As Maybe as a Christian, uh, I would believe that, uh, you know, you have left wing, right wing gun, you know, holders, people who walk into… I, I was actually literally at Walmart, and a guy was… He <laughs> was packing heat like wow it was right in the open so do you hate you know people who have guns and and i the, these are the things that are beginning to go through my mind and thinking about what was jesus thinking when he's trying to challenge these people i look at the homosexual agenda are they our enemies and you're like mm, okay so here that that's the setting here we go so jesus is saying who are your enemies so do good, to, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I'm like, are you? I mean, he is bringing something complete. They've never heard this message before. So now look at, I just, again, I love how Jesus does his stuff. He starts to now get more specific. If someone strikes you on your cheek, bam, well, then put it up. Let's go. No, he says, turn to the other also. Now, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, turn the other cheek. He starts talking, he's talking about something physical, your body. Physically, I'm sure the Romans have just ticked people off, ticked these Jews off, and they're mad. Who has physically, physically hurt your body? Maybe the stress. You guys talk about work. Maybe the chores. Th- these are physical things. Money stresses us out. And it, and it gets to a point where you can't even wake up because you're just... What am I going to do? I've got all these bills, and these things are, and and Jesus is saying, okay, how are we going to deal with that? If someone takes your cloak, now he's talking about, all right, now that stuff that's on you, the things that belong to you, give him your tunic. I love that. (laughs) Doesn't that tick you guys off? Come on, seriously. Okay, who who has ever allowed someone to borrow something from them? Really? Okay. What did you allow them to borrow? Borrow, Jim, way in the back. Well, my surfboard. Your surfboard. That was, that was like last weekend, right? <laughs> right. Did they give it back? Yeah, it was it in okay shape? Well, I had a few dings in it. When, when Christy and I were first married, I bought my first car right off the lot. Nobody drove that car except me because that was my car. Well, it wasn't until later, I I mean, Christy was driving this car that had no heat in it. It would just blow cold air, and in the wintertime, and it it literally hit me one day, what are you doing, Bruce? (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I love Christy, so what am I doing for my enemies? Am I really the people that I can't stand? Am I going over to them? Am I really allowing them to use things that i think are important to me and it starts as americans we like stuff and to me as i'm studying this and reading through it i mean there's just a serious paradigm shift here because you look at the values of america and the values that jesus is setting it's a scary thing because i started looking at the church in america and christy and i've been fortunate we've been able to travel all over the world one of the most moving times for me was when I was in Romania, and if you guys know, and, and just at this time when I was there, the uh, the communist regime just start, everything started to crumble. Okay, the um, the big gate, not the gate. What is it? The in uh, in Berlin, the wall came down. I was I wasn't there, but I was in Germany at the time, and the people I worked with were literally in East Germany when the wall came down. They said crowds were. Going crazy, so I was there at that time. So we ought, we, ought, we got to go into Romania, and you saw how poor stricken they were. And we did a worship service, and we packed this little church. And there had to be at least four or five hundred people, and we were all singing together. They don't know English. I don't know Romanian, and it was amazing. And then I go back to America, and I start to think. We try to parallel these American business practices, corporations. I my degree is business and marketing, so when I graduated from PLU, of course, what do you want to do? I want to make a ton of money. So those are the things that I wanted. But then all of a sudden, I'm hearing Jesus say, "Give to the person." And if they take it and they ruin it and they bring your surfboard back scraped and they didn't re wax it and they didn't do those things, what do you do? <laughs> I'm mad. Well, no. Hey. Do you want to use it again? It's not mine. So, this is perspective, this paradigm shift that Jesus is doing. Then he goes on Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others, and we all know this one do to others as you would have them do to you. I looked at, I really sat and I thought and I thought, and sometimes I probably think too much. Give to everyone who asks of you. Now, this one I really want you to think about, because we're we're Americans, right? We know how to, you know, that silly thing we pull the straps on our boots or whatever it is. Uh, I can do this. I've been to, you know, I can do this on my own. I can make this thing happen. I can goal set. If I goal set, I will attain this. And I've been to so many seminars, business seminars, and church seminars. And it's a scary parallel. And this is why I was so nervous coming up here this morning because I've really felt like this is what God wanted me to share. That as people who want to follow Jesus, I hope you have ears to hear. Because the corporate world and your work and those things are in complete... uh, opposite of what Jesus is saying. I look at the things I learned in business, and it really is get it done on your own. This is your stuff. This is your car. This is your house. You worked for it. You're the one who pays the bill. My girlfriend, before it was the last, after I dated her, I just said, I'm never dating a girl until I'm ready to get married. I was done. But I was so excited. She got this job, and I said, aren't you excited the job that God gave you? And I will never forget her response. She goes, God didn't give me this job. She goes, I was the one who did the interview. And how many times have we done that? Just saying, I'm the one who worked at this job. This is my money, my TV, my car, my... You just go down the list, okay? And we still come to church, and we follow... we, We say we have ears to hear, but who gave you that job? Who gave you that car? It's just stuff. And the, this last year, I've really be, begun to just go. It doesn't really matter anymore to me. The house, the car. I in my life, we had a pretty good sized company back in like two thousand six and seven, and then eight. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, our office, you guys, was on like this main street in Tacoma. I remember just the other day, I was thinking through it. I mean, I'd, I'd sit in these big, huge meetings, and we're talking about huge business transactions and real estate deals, and, and you think you are it. I mean, you walk out, and you're like, yeah, let's go to lunch. I'm pretty cool. And it literally, in, in a short amount of time, I mean, it's like sand going through your fingers. You're trying to collect it, and you're just like, and next thing I know, I'm driving a 97 Ford Aerostar with 200,000 miles on it. And I loved that car. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, okay, Lord, I need to learn what, what you're sharing with me. It's the whole thing of, do you have ears to hear? And that's, that, again, that challenge I have this morning for you. Verse 32. Now this is gonna get painful. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Thad texted me, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and we were, I was just telling him kind of what God had laid on my heart. And he mentioned, I wonder who the sinners are that Jesus is talking about. Because he says, look at your world, look at the people you hang out with. And you, I mean, I've seen people that love, because when we know, technically lost our, all of our material things, the people who took us in, the church would call them sinners, okay? And we lived in their homes, and they helped, They let me borrow their car and all that kind of stuff. And I always love to go back to that because, again, it's that paradigm shift that Jesus is saying, the, the things that we think are important, they aren't important, and yet these people we call sinners, they're also loving as well. And so I started looking at this going, who, who are the sinners? One of my favorite books, chapters actually, the book of John, John 15, Jesus talks about vine, He talks about branches. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Here's the next line, apart from me, you can do nothing. So that one kind of, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So anything significant that we do apart from Jesus is nothing. So who do you think the sinners are? I'll throw it out again. This is not rhetorical. I'm like, oh, you're going to make me answer? You guys have an idea? What's that? We are? Okay, keep going. That's it? Here, here's my thought. I believe sinners are people who are not in the vine. Later on in, in Matthew, listen to this one. So Jesus is talking and he says, all these people are, are saying Hey, Jesus, didn't I do all this stuff? Not everyone, Matthew chapter 7, again, this is the latter part of this same teaching on the mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did I not let people do all these cool things? Lord, did I not go to church every single day? Every single day. Every single Sunday. Did I not do all these amazing things? And here's what Jesus says. Away from me. For I never knew you. I'm like, I think that's who the sinners are. Because you, you look around, and, and I look at, again, the Church of America, and I please understand, you guys, I'm not, I love the church. I grew up, I literally I thought about it the other day. I'm like, I literally... Popped out of my mother's womb and we went to church and so i grew up and it in the church and i did some fun things i we used to do royal rangers anybody remember that from the yes all right oh in the back ron yes royal rangers we used to go play baseball all those things but i heard all these things about who jesus is and all this and it wasn't until later on in my life i began to understand that there is such freedom in Jesus, that I don't have to do stuff. And I think that's where the fallacy in our churches, because I saw what was happening in Romania. I went to the Czech Republic at the time. I saw what churches were doing there, and it was just, it, it was exciting. And then I came back here, and I, be, I was a youth pastor hired on at a church in Tacoma, and it there was a lot of do things. I'm like, yikes. And so what I did is I began to perform. In the first couple of years as a youth pastor, talk about being stressed. I, I was stressed because it was like, how many people came to youth group? 10. Um, <laughs> Bruce. And then it got to 15. Yes. Okay, and then I started doing a lot of really fun stuff, like a banana split. We did a 50-foot banana split and we had like 40 there, and then I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing good. It wasn't until my third year that I began to internalize Scripture where I started to say, you know what? Following Jesus is not like the corporate world, because Jesus says, remain in me, and I just finally said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to run this? And I and, and I, I started to think about this when God was calling us back into youth ministry several years ago. And I like to share about this whole thing called the barn because I want you guys to know what's happening there this past Sunday when God laid this barn idea going back into youth ministry for Christy and myself. I was done with performance for church because I had done that and I just said, Jesus, you have to show me. And you're like, Bruce, how does that work? And I, in Scripture, Jesus says, I'm ascending into heaven, and I'm going to send you a counselor, somebody that's going to fill you, and you're going to do greater things than me. And I think, are you crazy? I mean, how many of you, I'd be really cool to raise the dead, wouldn't that be really awesome? Who wants to walk on water? I would love to walk on water, Jesus wants to do those things, and the Holy Spirit does that. And I just said, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want this thing to look? Because I know all the things I'm supposed to do as a youth leader, because I've done all the conferences. I've done all this stuff. And I just really felt God was saying, here it is. This is what I want you to do. I want you to give it to the students. Let me work through them, and you pray for them. Your focus, Bruce, is going to be on raising up leaders and praying for them. So again, I mean, last week, what the first time I had, we had no idea how many people were going to come, and I think you guys know there was I don't know sixty or seventy people, uh, and then last week it was a, a, like I think about the same. But the food was incredible, and, and I just remember walking away, and, and we had students share their testimony. Colton shared his testimony. Uh, and it was amazing. Students led worship, and, and it made it may have sounded bad or good or indifferent. But all I know is that I just said, "Lord, I want to have ears to hear what you are saying, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, no matter what I'm being told how things have to be run or done." And that's a, That's a scary place because <laughs> you better be listening and seeing and that is my challenge this morning as i'm i'm looking at the scripture what jesus is challenging these people jesus is literally telling them there's a completely different kingdom that i'm setting up the kingdom you want what do you want in jesus if you look in a church in america and i've heard it and read it and studied it if you give financially or you give whatever then you're going to get tenfold back or you do this, and you get this. It's always, if, then, if I do this, then this. And, and that, that's not the kingdom Jesus is setting up. I'm like, where did that, it's again, it's the corporate world. You do these things, and I'm like, okay, wait, wait a minute. So I'm looking back on this going, okay, now I'm really, I'm really messed up, Lord. Then I go back. He talks about Lending. If you lend to those, uh, verse 34, and if you lend to those with whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners, they do the same thing and they get repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. This one makes me nervous. Because money, I think it was Brittany that mentioned money stresses us out. Literally, from when I lost our company of land development, we went and, and soon after that, I had to go back into, you know, manual labor. And it, and it literally has been however many years, three, four, five years, I don't even know right now. Every week, I don't know where the money's coming. <laughs> it's terrifying. Talk about stress. And, but my prayer life has been amazing to where I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's happening next, but I know you do. Last week, I'm finishing an exterior, or actually uh, an interior remodel, and I just said, okay, Lord, what are you having me do? I get home, I get a phone call. Hey, Bruce, why don't you come by our house? We need this done. I go over there, and I just, I pray the entire way, going, Lord, you got to set this thing up. You got to make it happen. I, I don't want to do go blah blah. blah. I'm going 100 miles an hour, and I get there, and they say, we actually would like this done the 1st of September, and I'm like, oh. I said, you know what? Can I I actually start on Saturday? And they said, oh, okay. (laughs) So I just like, that step, so I started yesterday. I mean, those steps of faith, and they're terrifying me, but every time I do that, I see God's provision, and I just like, do we, when we make money, do we actually believe that God has provided that for us? I started doing this only like a month ago. When I deposit the check, I just say, Lord, this is yours. And I'm going to pray. I don't know why I'm emotional about it. It's, it is a huge step of faith, and I just want to challenge us at Open Life that we it's not just about giving 10%. It, it doesn't belong to you. It literally belongs to the Lord. And, and that's what Jesus is trying to say to these people, is that whatever world or whatever kingdom you want, here's the kingdom that I've established. Do you think Jesus was lying? I mean, this is, this is a hardcore question. When Jesus said... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will literally take care of itself. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. How many of you, and again, I I know I'm walking on (laughs) a tight line here, because in America, we are supposed to save, save for retirement, get money in investment accounts. You guys, I did all this. Huge projects, massive amount of money. I mean, it was out of control. I did all that, and guess what? <laughs> I'm driving a '97 Ford Aerostar van that has 200,000 miles. That van, by the way, three years. All I did was change the oil, and I and I did and I fixed the alternator one time. Went to Seattle, Killellum, down to Olympia, down to Eugene. I mean, projects everywhere. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you believe? what he's saying here. Do you have ears to hear that, can I really use my retirement to supply food to people in the Bonnie Lake community? Can I really begin to cash in my 401k? But wait, wait, Bruce, is that good financial... Stewardship, that's the word, thank you. Are we being good stewards? Well, here's my challenge to you. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, is this what you want me to do? We need to raise a ton of money for this school uh, supply give. Has God led you to do that? Have we even done that? I'm just going to give this amount, Bruce, because that's what I need to do. But you see, Jesus took it, and he just literally just changed the paradigm. He shifted it. What, is, what happens if someone comes to you that you barely know and say, hey, can I borrow $100? <laughs> and we, I have someone in my life who's, who's done that, but they're not very good with their money, Bruce. I've read all of the seminars, and I've gone online, and I've done all that stuff. I know. Okay, and again, in America, <laughs> we know about money. And this is a hardcore thing to talk about. But I just want to challenge that because, again, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more important are you than they? There are people in this room who need help financially. They need food. They need a car. There are people in this Bonnie Lake area who need help, who need food, who need a car. This is what I want to be. Who's your enemy? Is it the guy who you know, stands on the side of the road with a, with, with a sign that says, can you help me? They frustrate me sometimes. But that's what I want to change in my life. I don't want that anymore. I want to be a part of a church that literally we just go, here it is. I read a really interesting article this past week and it kind of broke my heart, but I just, I just want to share it. There was a church in in the South that spent $23 million on a building. Literally, the article next to it, and I don't think the editor, I don't think he meant to do this, but there was another church in that same kind of community that was trying to raise money for water projects, water drilling in Africa. And my brother is part of that program, which is really cool. They drill wells, and they set up clinics, and it's an amazing thing. So it kind of hit home, and that's why I was like, oh, my brother's part of that. And they were so excited because they raised (laughs) $5,000. I just thought, I wonder what $23 million would do. And it makes you go, things that make you go, hmm, and again, it's that paradigm shift, you guys. So Jesus, back to, back to this Luke thing. But love your enemies, do good to those without expecting to get anything back, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jesus said he, will, he never did anything without the Father telling Him what to do. I think as Christians, as people who want to follow Jesus, I think we do a lot of things on our own because this is what has been established in America. Do we really listen? Do we have ears? If you look at this passage, The key to me is Jesus is talking about this supernatural love. Loving your neighbors, loving those who want money, loving those who need help, loving these people that are just the margin, the people on the outskirts, the people that all these things out there. That's the kingdom Jesus wants. But try to love on your own. Look at if you've been in a church or even right now you're trying to love. Bruce, I try to love these people. I try to, I try, I try that's the point where I just said, I'm done trying. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said He didn't do anything without the Father's Word, without the Father's empowerment. That's what I want to be a part of. That's the church I want to be a part of, that we can love with a supernatural love, that we can actually care for people. Um, The worship team is going to come up And as they're they're coming up, I challenge you with this, couple of things. One, you guys remember probably, maybe you haven't, but I don't know how many years ago, but there was that phrase, what would Jesus do? So here's the situation. Well, Jesus says love your enemies, right? Well, here's the question that I would like to change. Forget what would Jesus do. What is Jesus Christ drew, doing through me and through us? If I see a situation that I need to love my enemy, I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do through me? Because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, lives in us now. We are, we are Jesus to people. And, and this song that we're going to sing, it, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, I love the words because it's just that's the challenge I want to give to open life this morning is that we literally try to stop doing and start letting the Holy Spirit and Jesus empower us not what would Jesus do but what is Jesus gonna do through me let's pray oh Heavenly Father thank you so much I just love the words of Jesus, that it's just so it's so challenging and so life-giving and so free. Lord, that we would just be free to let you work in us and be anointed by you. Thank you so much for the people that are here, and thank you for this morning.